Hello, my dear audience. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Today I will have an open mic show, as uh, we did last week and the week before that. Anybody can call with questions uh, or comments regarding health and well-being. And uh, anytime as I talk, you want to call in, please don't wait. You can call in and I will stop talking about whatever I'm talking and I will gladly take your, your call. What I'm interested in is not only answering your questions and possibly helping you with different emotional or physical health challenges, but also in sharing with you how you can understand the meaning of the problems you're facing and create your own tools for health and health maintenance. But to accomplish that, I need your participation. I need many people to call, share their challenges, uh, and then as I address the challenges, you, my listeners, will be able to sooner or later figure out how I'm doing actually, uh, what I'm doing. You will become, if you choose my students, you will be clear about the principles I follow and how I create my healing exercises or techniques. I spoke about the principles of the work that I do in one of my earliest shows. But again, the more people call, the more issues we address, the more you will understand how I can do it with other people and you can do it with yourself. So you don't need to depend on somebody else. Uh, you also, as always, can call in with your night dreams and I can work with you on working on your, on addressing your dream right here on the show. And the number to call is 888 874-4888. Again, 888-874-4888. While you can, again, you can call anytime, please, I'm ready for you now. But while uh, I'm waiting for your calls, I want to share with you a thought that came to, to me this morning when I was having breakfast. Until mid-40s of the last century, that is somewhere between 1940 and 1950, till that time, all mental health was focused on pathology. That is, psychiatrists and psychologists were all working with people who were experiencing mental or and emotional challenges trying to understand why those people were suffering and through various techniques, most of the time not so successful, but uh, still trying to help these people. Then came Abraham Maslow and Carl Rogers. Uh, and they basically were founders of what is now known as humanistic psychology. What Abraham uh, Maslow asked was not what's wrong with people, but what's right with people. 
because he suggested not to focus on what does not work. He said, let's study people who are happy, who are productive, and see why they're happy rather than focus on only problems. And he created what is known as Maslow's hierarchy of needs, as he studied uh, people who, who were well-adjusted or what he would call later self-actualized. He was answering his own question, what made them, what, whether it's environment, their education, their genes, what made them succeed where other people don't succeed? What helped them to cope well with situations where other people um, disintegrate? So let me tell you about the hierarchy of needs because I printed it out here. <clears throat> the basic need is a physiological need for food, water, warmth, and rest. The next need is um, safety need for security and safety. Then the need for belonging and love for intimate relationships and friendships. Then esteem needs. Uh, a need for feeling that one accomplishes something, that there is meaning to his or her uh, activity. And then finally, self-actualization, achieving one's full potential, uh, including uh, creative activities. In fact, in one of his books, he wrote, uh, let me try to remember, the core tendency of one's personality is actualization of one's full potentials. The closer one is uh, to actualizing one's potentials, the more happy and fulfilled a person will feel. So the reason I'm telling you this, all this came to my mind when I was having breakfast. So. I, I had this thought, so far I've been either giving you talks on various subjects or inviting you to share with challenges um, and I would try to help you out to address the challenges, whether physical or mental or emotional. And still, it, I, I welcome you uh, calling and sharing with your problems and I will gladly work on them. But my idea today was to start a new chapter, yet another chapter in our work together or in our communication together. And that is, uh, I would like those of you, my dear listeners, who faced challenges, whether it's stressful environment, problems in the relationship, some physical challenges, and overcame them successfully. I would like to invite you to call in and tell your story. Uh, let's let's create some kind of a boundary, and and let's say, if you want to share a story, please. I will not police you, but you decide that you will take 10, 15 minutes the most to tell your story. Uh, so there would be time for other people to talk. But it would be wonderful if you could, and maybe maybe you're not ready right now. I just came up with this idea. 
So you, if you're not ready, maybe you can make notes and next time you call. If you're not comfortable calling and speaking, you can uh, make notes or write down really what you want to share and read it to us. But it would be wonderful for us to know. And I think for our for all my listeners uh, to know how you people are dealing or how you dealt with challenges on your own. What made made it work for you? I, I think it would be wonderful. Uh, I definitely have stories uh, of challenging different uh, challenges, um, dealing with different challenges, and, and some I was able to overcome easily, and some not, and some I'm still dealing with. So, but it would be nice, like Maslow suggested, to learn what does work from you, my dear audience. So I am looking forward to hearing uh, your stories. Okay, please, uh, you are still welcome to share your uh, problems as well, but you're absolutely welcome. Take your time. You can share today uh, and or you can again prepare yourself if you need that and share with your story next next week. In fact, uh, for some reason, I like this idea very much, and I don't know, uh, I don't know whether it will work out uh, or not, uh, and whether people will actually call in with their stories. I like listening to the stories; they are very educational for me. Um, in fact, when I thought of that, I was even thought then. It wouldn't be just Dr. Peter Resnick's toolbox. So then I would even re rename, and please, I'm looking forward to your feedback about that too. Uh, a different name for my show came to my mind rather than Dr. Peter Resnick's toolbox, just to name it All About Choosing Life. All About Choosing Life. Um, of course, I'm quoting the Bible in Deuteronomy. Uh, it's, it's written, choose life so that you and your descendants may live. So it's about finding ways to live your life fully, choosing, making a conscious choice to do everything, to be alive and to live uh, a good quality of life. Uh, I gave you the telephone number, but if you have any questions uh, or you want to make comments about what I just said, you can also send me an email. My email is drpeterresnik at gmail.com. Uh, D-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N, as Nancy, I-K, at gmail.com. Uh, please send your emails, uh, but like within one page, not, not many pages, please, because I received, I think I shared with you <laughs> some some emails that would be six, seven pages, and that's that's a little too much work for me, because I by the end of the day I get many emails, and I I love it. I welcome them, so please do write. Um, I don't hear any callers. I don't see any anyone calling in. So, well, I uh, I will keep talking uh, till I hear from you. Uh, last week. I started talking to you, and I didn't start, I continued talking to you about 
the the fifth pillar of the six pillars of well-being, the pillar named uh, conscious attitudes and character traits. And I believe we focused on one of the aspects of apathy called laziness. And I was about to start talking about another challenge that people have. And again, not everyone faces all these problems. You, you, you understand, yes? Uh, but many, many, many face, uh, altogether so far I have 13, uh, and many people faced two, three, four, five at the same time, which means a person may be judgmental, a person can be worried, a person can live in anger, and so on. And I spoke about all these um, characteristics or character traits. And we have only left uh, to talk about vanity and denial. And I believe I told you that I, meanwhile, I discovered three more. And I ask also for your help to call in with your understanding how to deal with those problems. And that is uh, impatience. Um, what was it? I still didn't work on them. So it's just... I came up with this um, quite recently. Impatience, stubbornness, and it will come. I, I don't remember now which one. Anyway, for now, I will be talking about vanity. Vanity. I think I told you last time that much of our economy is built on vanity, on helping people to maintain the quote right image as if there is such a thing uh, that's you know i spoke about it in, in other shows you cannot have the right or wrong image because you have your own unique image and it's it displays your own uniqueness but in this consumer driven society um, i think that that the industry many industries promote this uh, competition and promote the vanity. Uh, think of the money that have been spent, uh, that is spent every day on cosmetics, on trendy clothing, on better cars and, and even better cars in the newest television and so on. Like many other excessive behaviors, vanity springs from insecurity. That's my opinion. We place our security in what others think of us. Oh, I think I got a caller. Mohammed from New York. Oh, I'm so happy. Uh, please, uh, here's Mohammed from New York. Mohammed, welcome. You're on the Good air. Afternoon. Good afternoon, Dr. Resnick. Thank you for the. Um the opportunity to share a little bit. Could you just uh, just repeat very briefly what you would like us to talk about in terms of our, you know, maybe being successful or overcoming problems? Yes, yes. I, I, oh, I'm so happy that you responded to it, Mohammed. So what I would like, you know, in the past, I would ask people, share what, what, what is bothering you. And they would say, oh, I'm so angry with my sister. I'm, I am in trouble with my, in my marriage. And I, I suggested, uh, that 
people call and share with some challenge that they dealt with in life and succeeded in overcoming it. And I okay. think it's the best education for people. So if you would like to share something like that, we'll be happy to hear you, Muhammad. Okay. Uh, Dr. Resnick, as a, uh, as a child, right? Yeah. And as a very young pers person in life, you know, um, coming up in poverty in this particular country, you know, in many cases, we didn't have enough to eat. And, you know, when you have, say, more than five or six people in the family sometimes, and, and I'll just say this, I'm a psychotherapist now, sometimes you don't get enough emotional support and nurturance to make you halfway healthy. And I know you know all about the set of ego functions. So when you go to school sometime hungry, you didn't get enough emotional support and nurturance, and you very wrong. It's very, you know that psychological function called thought processes. You know mm -hmm. you you're not able to really focus, concentrate, and solve problems. So you, you fall behind with your learning. And then myself, as a result of that, I thought something was wrong with me in terms of being dumb or unintelligent and things like that. So most of the people in the class, you know, they did well and. I didn't do too well in those early years. So I saw myself as bad, and I felt bad. So I guess my behavior became bad. But to make a long story short, I winded up in reform school, right? What and kind of school? Doing... I'm sorry, Muhammad. Yes. Mm -hmm. Could you what repeat that? What kind of school? Uh, reform school. Oh, reform school. I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. understand. Reform and school. And that's just... You know, back in the day, we just called it jail, but it was dual juvenile institutions where they put us, you know? Uh-huh. Okay. And, okay. And, and you know, going in there by not receiving enough emotional support and nurturance, and, you know, um, it just left me with a lot of emotional problems. So in the, in the institution, I had problems also. You know, I had problems with authority figures and... You know, one time I escaped from this institution, I came out and I met a friend of mine, and he talked about, um, and, and I hope I'm not being offensive when I say that, he talked about Islam, right? And mm -hmm. talked about the history of a lot of people in the Western Hemisphere and how doing, you know, us coming from our homes and being in America, South America, and the Caribbean, we didn't really know who we were. So... This, this young man gave me a good sense of who I was culturally or ethnically, right? Uh -huh. and, I went in, and I went into that, and I believe it, and it helped me just a little, you know, but upon my release from that institution, I was wind up in trouble again. And then I went back into, I guess you would call Islam. And, mm -hmm. you know, I started saying my prayers. You know, I fast during Ramadan. And, yeah. you know, Keep going. Continue. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I'm. <laughs> I'm so interested in, in what you're saying because it's it's incredible when once people I mentioned here the the work of Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, where he mm -hmm. says once a person has meaning and it seems that that connecting with Islam gave you meaning, then then they thrive. Exactly. Please continue. It's very interesting what you're telling us. Okay. Now, in the institution, they had a minister came in, 
it was around the time of what they call Ramadan, and that was where you fasted from sunup to yeah, sundown. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And he said you had to be strong to do this. So I wind up fasting and, you know, doing Ramadan and was got into some more trouble. So I wind up, you know, in solitary. They called it deadlock back in the day. And when you're in a cell 24-7, if you don't know how to occupy yourself constructively, it'll just make you crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So I was able to get my hands on a lot of books, and I started reading and kept up on um I guess you could say current affairs and it just incited me to want to learn again, you know, and just knowing who I was. So when I came out, I was, I took the test for a GD. And before I came out in that, I, they put me in another institution and I actually became the imam there. I would do the teaching and mm-hmm. on a weekly basis. So I had to do my research and lesson plans. And prior to this, I was not, I hadn't finished high school, so when I came home, my parole officer asked me, you're going to have to work. What are you going to do? And I said, I'm a teacher. And he said, man, you're not no teacher. I said, I am a teacher because I had been doing lessons, and I used to do the lecture. So uh-huh. he said, do you have a degree? I said, no, I don't have a degree. He said, you're not no uh, teacher. He said, well, do you have a high school diploma? I said, no. So I did go back. I took the DD test, failed it the first time, took it again passed it, and then I went on to college and acquired a degree in economics, a BA. And it was very difficult for me to get a job doing that. So having been in institutions, I saw a job as a teacher in an institution. So I went in there and I started teaching. And before I could actually teach, I had to actually do therapy, right? But I wasn't a therapist, so I, I said, look, you're a therapist too. So I went back to school. And uh, I went to NYU and studied uh, clinical social work, was able to get the degree. Mm-hmm. And I came back and I started doing therapy. And I started, I didn't really have enough to, you know, really be as effective as I really wanted to do. So I went back to, uh, I don't know if you heard of Nancy Boyd Webb. No, no, I didn't hear. I'm sorry. She had a postgraduate program uh-huh. uh, in child-led lesson therapy. So I went through that and I obtained a, postgraduate certificate in child and adolescent therapy. And I was working in the clinics and one good professor taught us about listening, right? Uh-huh. And about self-determination for the client. So, and within the program with Nancy Boyd Webb, she taught us about play therapy. So when I came back to the clinic, you know, I, you know, you tell them, try not to tell them what to do. And that's one of the keys. You listen and try not to tell them what to do and you pull it out of them. And I just had always had uh, all my kids would always come back. And if your clients didn't come back, you didn't get paid. So my clients would come back and I use play therapy and I wouldn't tell them what to do. I would pull it out. And I'm going to just give you an example. Like I said, look, I have to make three goals for you. Now, which of those three goals be? He said, well, I don't know. And I said, let me ask you a question. What do you do bad that you know is bad you need to stop doing? He said, I talk back to my mother. And I said, wow. I said, is that good? He said, no. I said, well, who fed you when you was a little boy and you couldn't feed yourself? He said, my mom. I said, who changed your diapers? He said, my mom. So I said, don't you think she deserves a little respect? And he said, yeah, she deserves a lot of respect. So I said, well, can we make that a goal? I will respect my mom. And he said, yeah, we can make that a goal. So that's just an example of how I would get him. Yeah, and then, yeah. 
with the play circuit, you know, you would play with them. Yeah. And you'd lay all your toys out. And, you know, just like I would have, I don't know if you know the, the toy called Operation. No, you, no. You take some tweezers and they have bones and things and little parts. Oh, would, wow. Yeah. yeah no, I don't know. They would have to take it out with touching the edges, right? Uh-huh. And I tell you, uh, uh, Dr. Resnick, when you see them kids with them little tweezers and I had a little white jacket, they look just like doctors, right? And they would take them out, and I said, wow. And I said, well, what are you going to do in life? And, you know, you just saw their good qualities. And what you would do is you just help them understand, well, you'd work on their self-esteem, work on their self-image, and you'd work on their self-worth. Yeah, I'm interested in Muhammad. I know, I know uh, about therapy and, and therapy with children, and uh, uh, the listeners are also probably aware that there are many techniques. But I, I'm interested in Muhammad. I would love people to hear more about you, not not the kids that you you work with. I'm sure you are successful. I would, I would actually first thought I had to say was. Uh, it's a you're a modern day miracle, but then I thought, no, you're not miracle. Miracle, you are just a person who found meaning in life and then had the willpower to follow your commitment Thank to you. stay strong. Yes, God is the, God is a miracle. It's not me, you know. I just yeah. knew that He was working through me, and all of us have talents and skills and gifts, and we're here for a purpose. And if you find that. You know, you can go out there and help other people and at the same time help yourself also, right, and earn a good salary and just be successful in life, you know. And it's just it's just so rewarding. Like the kids in the classroom, when they would have problems, you know, learning, you know, when I was incarcerated, I, yes, they yes. put a grammar book in there with me. So I learned all the eight parts of speech, what a sentence is, what a phrase is, and a clause. And I tell you, at one time, everyone in my classroom had a murder charge. But when they saw they could learn, right, when they saw the progress they were making, their attitudes changed. And one guy told me, I'll never forget this. He said, if I knew I was this smart, I'd never be in here, you know. So that was a natural high for me, just seeing them learn, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was, you know, it was successful. Thank you so much for sharing your story. This is, you know, this is, I just inaugurated this new uh, uh, page, as I said, of people sharing, and your story is the most beautiful story of, of having, having problems and transforming yourself 100%. It's amazing. Okay. Thank I just you. want you to say one last thing. That was God working through me. That wasn't me. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Mohammed. God bless you. Thank you very much. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, that's wonderful. Uh, I'm so happy Mohammed called. Uh, that's, that's one way uh, to, to resolve problems. Uh, probably the most, probably one of the most successful ways, and that is finding meaning. Uh, but you are welcome to call again anybody if you want to talk about uh, dealing with other problems, uh, uh, with physical uh, um, issues, with with emotional challenges, and how you address them, 
the way uh, Muhammad addressed them is a, a very beautiful way. It was through uh, connecting to a spiritual tradition and uh, and following it. One thing is to connect. <laughs> a person can read books on it, but not live it. Muhammad actually studied, I assume, Quran. If he became an imam, he studied Quran, but then he started following it. He started following the principles. And most traditions that I know at the foundation uh, teach love and compassion and tolerance. So, and look where Muhammad ended, uh, being a therapist and teaching children. What a beautiful, beautiful transformation. Okay, while we are waiting uh, for the next caller, I will continue talking about... Oh, wonderful, we have Elena from... Ileana from New York. Okay. Ileana... Hi, Dr. Resnick. It's a pleasure to meet you. Um, and I, I am grateful for your shows. I've only been able to hear the recordings because I normally work at this hour, but I changed my schedule so that I could hear you live and talk to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So I, I was a person who emailed you last week about mm -hmm. my back problem and yeah. you brought it up in your show last week saying that you had an exercise to do and that um, I had asked you for an imagery exercise. Um, and and I, I guess I didn't tell you that it had to do with my lower back. So that's initially why I contacted you for the imagery exercise. Gotcha. And um, and um, I, I must say that since um, a, a few minutes ago, when you cited Maslow, um, you know, theory and hierarchy, I thought, yes. oh my goodness, I think of Maslow all the time. And I literally every day since I was in graduate school 30 years ago, and I'm consumed by the notion that I'm always, I don't get beyond the survival um, phase. I, 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 just when I seem to get to the part of actualization, there's a huge like survival crisis. But, you know, and, and, and I feel like, how am I ever going to like move beyond this? Mm. And then I heard Muhammad's story and he was so inspiring and he is in fact, you know, such a good example, as you pointed out, of the, of the human, of the person who is able to confront and overcome their circumstances with will. And, and I, I probably would be able to give a similar story, except I'm too caught up in being pessimistic about how I still haven't reached self-actualization. So here I am calling you, asking for the mental imagery exercise for my back problem, and now talking to you about the importance of Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah, but let's, let's tie them together. If you still have this backache, and lower backache, by, by the way, do you remember I wrote 
or, or uh, I said during the show what often the lower back problem means? Yes, yes. You reference sexual problems or they're not being a partner. And I, I was so surprised because normally others associate back problems with like lack of um, lack of support in your life. Um, so I was intrigued because in fact, that's correct. I don't have a partner. Okay. I have to tell you, uh, it's not my uh, idea. All Chinese medicine teaches that this, uh, when there is no sexual activity, uh, there is uh, energy stagnating in lower back. So, mm -hmm. and there are two exercises I have for you, not one. One, okay. uh, one mental and one physical. The physical, okay. I will tell you, um, but you told me that you worked with Vlad. He can give it to you, uh, okay. or or you can you. I can tell you the name of the exercise. You can go on uh, on YouTube just to write it down. Uh, yoga. Uh, frogs exercise and it will show you will see immediately it will come out uh, when you do the frog exercise it stimulates mm -hmm. movement of sexual energy that's it that's the yoga exercise you need to do and now mm -hmm. let me give you the mental exercise okay, okay. Wait, I just want to make sure I understood frog like the animal frog yeah the frog you know the jump okay jump. Oh, okay good and, and in the beginning, it may be difficult. You will be able to do maybe 10 frogs, then 20, then, you know, 30, 40, 50. Okay. <laughs> you can do up to 108 frogs. My sister does 108 frogs. <laughs> That's <laughs> okay. mother of Vladimir. Uh, but I, I never did more than 50. <laughs> uh, okay. But so it, it has many, many be uh, benefits. But one is of them is moving your sexual energy, so stagnating okay. energy. So let me do okay. now the exercise um, for for back pain, mental imagery. Okay. Okay. Close your eyes. Okay. With you don't need to respond to me. Just listen with your eyes closed. And if anybody else, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, has lower back problems, you can do the same. You close your eyes and say to yourself in your mind, I'm doing this exercise with an intention to be at ease. And now think or imagine standing in a secure place where you are all alone far away from people so nobody can see you and you are naked and feel the warmth of the sun on your body now with your right hand see in, in, or imagine yourself reaching for the sun and taking one beam of sun and putting it like a belt around your waist Reach for another beam of sand and put in another, another belt. Another one, create nine circles of light of sun around your waist. Feel the warmth of the sun 
penetrating through the pores of your skin and melting away all the discomfort. Yes, then breathe out gently and think or imagine that this belt is still on you, but you find new clothes that is waiting for you and put it on. And now skipping, walk away from that place, come back in the room where you are now and then open your eyes. Okay. You're with me? Yes. How, how did it feel? How did, how did you do with the exercise? Um, it feels good. I, I, I want to get up and move around to see if it makes a difference. Yes, yes, um, yeah. Because, because we said skipping. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does make a difference. Is, is this a collapse imagery exercise? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, actually, wow, thank I, you. I, I hope you remember, remember the details. Number one is you state the intention to be at oh, ease, right. right? Write it down because people forget. Mm -hmm. Then oh, you, right. see yourself, okay. you see yourself far away from everyone, so you feel safe and secure, okay. and you're na naked. Right, and, okay. And you one by one you take nine beams of light and make a, a, a belt of light and feel the light penetrating uh, through the pores of your skin by the way what kind mm -hmm. of clothes did you find what kind of clothes oh i yeah. put on a dress what kind of how did the dress look what was the dress oh, like it was oh it was flowing beautiful what what color was it Oh, I, it was a light color. I didn't pay much attention to it other than the fact that it was long and flowing. Beautiful, beautiful. You felt light in it, right? Yes. Yeah, beautiful. It means there was a take. It means it works. You need to do this oh. exercise. You see, it's not supposed to take more than 45 seconds. It took that long. It took like a couple of minutes for me to do it because it was the first time. But when you do it on your own, it will take you 45 seconds. You do it three times a day for one week, and then call me and let me know how it is, okay? Oh, okay, okay, that's so great. How many times did you say to do it a week? Three, time, uh, three times a day. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm sorry, that's what I meant, three times a day. And when did you say you wanted feedback? In a week, you can call and let us know In how you come. Okay. Thank wow, you, very much, thank you so much. You're thank very you so welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I could hear you live. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you. Thanks for taking right. time. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we continue talking about vanity. Unless somebody calls. I'm, I'm so happy that people are calling. <laughs> so, uh, let me get back to where I was. Um, by the way, one of the, uh, one of the manifestations of vanity can be not just uh, getting a, an extra 
or special dress and yet another dress or showing off. One of the manifestations of, of vanity may be shyness. We might worry so much about being accepted that we close in on ourselves to avoid uh, contact with people. Uh, in fact, you know, a couple of days ago, I spoke to a good friend of mine, uh, and uh, Mariana, and I, I helped her quit smoking uh, through hypnosis a week ago, and, and she's telling everyone how easy it was, and she was so happy. But I, but I, 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 we did it six months ago, and... Uh, the other day we, we, we were talking about why she start, she's such an intelligent person, why she started to smoke in the first place. And she said, because she was shy. She was um, uncomfortable with, with people. When she was a teenager, she was uncomfortable in the company of people. So for her to light up a cigarette was like to be part of the group. So, and I, and I said, that's vanity. You, you made your body for decades place, pay a price for vanity, for, for you wanting to look good or to feel better, but the body is paying the price. You see, it's okay to feel not good. It's okay to feel shy. It's okay to come and say that you feel shy. But of course, a 17-year-old doesn't know this. So, but we understood that that was the, the reason, that, that the cigarettes was a smokescreen, really, covering shyness and insecurity. By the way, uh, I also, I would say that was vanity. When I was in my 20s, I remember actually starting discussions. Uh, about art, and I, I, I was very interested in art and music, and I read a lot. Till recently, I, I read pretty much one book a week. And I'm 67 years old now, and I started uh, to read really with desire, with thirst, with hunger from the age of 10. Once I discovered uh, science fiction, and then, and then I, of course, migrated to other to literature, real um, uh, novels of Russian uh, great writers and then French writers and so on. And, and then I got a degree actually in linguistics. I think you know, uh, I shared with you, maybe audience, that I uh, was not a psychologist or social work. That's, that's the American job that I'm doing in my education. But uh, in the Soviet Union, back in Ukraine, I uh, received an, an advanced degree from university in uh, linguistics, and I taught literature in high school. But that's a diversion from our subject. I know, you know. So I want to say that, so I was well read by the age of 24, and I started these discussions on the subjects. And I, that was definitely vanity. That was all showing off. That was now, not now, maybe at the age of 34, 35, I, I, was, I was examining my life. That is 10 years later, I realized that when I had all these discussions and 
initiated debate, it was all vanity. It was not attempt, an attempt to learn something from the other person. It was really to prove how smart I was. So that's that's pure vanity. Uh, and another form of vanity is uh, gossip, for example, or boasting, stretching the truth. The more vain people are, the more they lose their authentic self, the more their appearance or lifestyle or interaction with people or even their value system become dependent. Dependent on what? On what other people think about them. So there is no more you. Uh, you know, in my psychotherapy office in New York, I met people who spend their entire lives trying to fit, to impress, to be noticed, to prove. And when I ask them about what was truly important to them, what made them, not anybody else, but them happy, many could not answer. Uh, do you remember the movie? <laughs> it came out maybe, I don't know, 20 years ago. It was a movie, silly movie, Legally Blonde. Legally Blonde. I watched it, actually, I enjoyed it. And in it, there was a woman, one of the characters, uh, Legally Blonde is, a, is like a, a young lady who becomes a lawyer. Um, and she defends a woman who was accused of murdering her husband. And she was absolutely innocent. She did not do it. She had an alibi. Because during the time of the murder, she went away for liposuction. You know, and they suck out the, the fat. Uh, but she would rather go to jail. She took the word from this lawyer that the lawyer will never reveal it. She would rather go to jail than admit that she had a liposuction. She was a guru uh, uh, of um, what is it called, the working out, you know, it was selling uh, CDs um, and, and training people how to be slim and, and fit. And she couldn't bear the thought, what would her followers think? And that's why she was ready to go to jail. And remember also the movie uh, Devil's Advocate? Um, Devil is uh, played by Al Pacino. That was an incredible, an incredible movie. And there Devil says, Vanity, my most favorite scene. Uh, I don't see people calling. Okay, let me then tell you a little story. Uh, I, uh, a while ago now, wow, maybe, maybe 20 years ago, I saw, uh, uh, I believe she was 29 year old or 28 who felt anxious, insecure, depressed, angry, and always concerned about what people thought of her. No, 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 no. She was 29. Now I know why. She was 29, because just before her 30th birthday, 
when she was leaving my office, I asked her to send me an email pretending that 25 years have passed and she was turning about like 55. And she decided to write to her old therapist an email. Right? Remember, she's 30 and she's to write an email as if she's 55. Next day, I received an email. Let me think. It was saying something like, Dear Dr. Resnick, it's been a while since we last spoke. I wanted to say hello to you, to see how you're doing, to update you on my life. I just turned 55. I am real good. I'm at peace. I wear purple and I don't give a shit. That was her email. I remember this. When she came to see me the following week, I asked her, do you really need to wait for 25 years to stop caring about what people think and start living? No, I don't, she said. And for the next session, she came wearing a beautiful golden Indian dress. You know, they sell, I don't know, in New, in New York and I don't know in other cities, but uh, on flea markets, they sell these beautiful Indian dresses. So she was wearing this beautiful dress. And it was the beginning of a big change uh, in her attitude toward life. That's the story with this woman. That's the story of breaking away from being a slave of vanity, of being afraid of what think, people think about you. I understand we live in a community of people and we all care to some degree about how we look, what impact we have on others, how other people perceive us. But when this healthy awareness and consideration of others becomes the only focus or the only condition for our being, it becomes a jail. And we, it's willing and cooperative prisoners. So uh, you can choose to feed vanity, and the more you feed it, the greater it becomes. The more uh, food slash attention it requires, till there is no longer you, till it's all it, vanity. So how vain are you? Only you really know. Maybe few people around you know it, but that's not important. The important thing is whether, whether you think uh, it requires adjustment. If you decide that vanity is an issue in your life, then you can work on it. I can, I can give you some, um, some homework. I don't know if I have enough time. Let me try. Number one, if you can write down or record it, if you think you're dealing with vanity, recognize how much time and energy you invest daily weekly and monthly on your pursuit of 
whatever your vanity expresses itself in your life, whatever way it expresses in your life. Number two, estimate the price you have been paying for this pursuit. But also recognize that it served a purpose. It's not your enemy. You can talk to that uh, vanity and, and ask it, what is it serving you for? It's a messenger. So listen to it. There is something that that is to teach you. Number three, choose one area in which your vanity is expressed. An experiment. Each time you want to act with vanity, say to yourself, oops, for one week, I am on vacation from vanity for this week. You want to again to do something that involves vanity, again say, oops, I'm on vacation from vanity for this week. And see what happens. But I would love you, I would love you to call in next week. If you try to do that, please call and, and let me know what how it worked. Do your best not to file, follow your usual path. After one week, you evaluate what you gained and what you lost from curbing the vanity impulse and decide if you want to continue working on the issue for the following week. And finally, number four, create a vision of what kind of a person you would become and how it would impact your life if you were completely free from vanity. That, that's the assignment for dealing with vanity. And um, next, next time, I am very happy that these two callers called. And I, I hope, again, uh, that many of you uh, will decide to do what Muhammad did so beautifully shared, an incredible story, really incredible, how uh, he transformed himself. And I'm sure that many of you, ladies and gentlemen, had to deal. It doesn't mean you're a completely self-actualized person, but uh, you had to deal with some issues in life. And some, with some you possibly succeeded, and some you did not succeed. And all I'm asking you uh, is to share uh, what successful strategies you used to overcome uh, challenges. And by the way, if there are challenges that you did not overcome, then you can also mention. And I will be happy and privileged to work with you here on the air. Um, but for now, I will be wrapping up. Our time is coming to an end today. Uh, once again, I'm looking forward to getting your emails. Uh, it's uh, drpeterresnik at gmail.com. And I want to wish you a, a wonderful week. Thank you for being with me today. Peace to all. To peace.